All right, welcome everybody to the Gravity Beer Podcast. We're getting together today to do a preview show on the U.S. Open, which starts uh, tomorrow morning. I'm particularly excited about this episode because I'm bringing two guys in that haven't been in the studio to participate in the podcast yet. Uh, we're recording today in Studio A. Uh, if you don't know much about the podcast or you want more information, you can learn at uh, gravitybeer.com. You can go to uh, iTunes or Google Play or any place that you typically get podcasts. Uh, it also would be great if you go out to iTunes and write a little review or give us a rating or comments or whatever. That just helps kind of drive traffic traffic, and uh, even gives us a chance of maybe being on the podcast feature page. So all that stuff is helpful. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. So joining us in studio today for our U.S. Open preview show is uh, Greg and uh, Scott, who you know from uh, our NBA Finals podcast with Patrick, and also JC is joining us. Uh, good morning, guys. Morning. Good morning, sir. How's How everybody doing? Morning. So, so before before we uh, so before we get into the U.S. Open, we're having what I feel like was an even more interesting discussion than anything that could come up. Oh, there's now I'm now I'm seeing there's some reluctance to talk about what we were talking about before before the show started. I just wish everyone I, here I think that could should be see a separate podcast. A altogether. separate podcast. Yeah, I wish everyone could see the notes that Greg has where he printed off the uh, course. And then made notes to the individual course. Yeah, I haven't played it in a while. So. Okay, so 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 I mean, he's done that because I mean, because because Greg told me yesterday that he'd actually played in four U.S. Opens at Oakmont. So so that's why he that's Wait, why four he particularly US opens in Oakmont or four U.S. Opens. opens. But I've played at Oakmont four separate occasions. Oh, you, you've just played at Oakmont. Yeah, you haven't yes, actually been yes, in the U.S. Yes, Open yes, before. Yes, that's correct. That's oh. going to be a real downer here. Yeah. Yeah. So well, see now, see now, you don't have nearly as much yeah. credibility. I'm going to head on out now. You were going to be called. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. You were going to have the the title as Greg, aka the amateur, but now. I could have swore. I could have sworn no, he told that's me he played. JC. <laughs> yeah, JC are, is the amateur. Are you sure you didn't say, "Hey, I should really be on the podcast this time because I've played in fifty percent of the U.S. Opens that were held in Oakmont"? Is that not what you told me? Well, it would actually be less if you include this year. Though. Well, I mean, slightly less than fifty okay. percent. Right, yeah. I mean, we're not once playing here. Previously played, yes. You played in half of yes, the previous that's right. U.S. Yes, Opens yes. at Oakmont. So you, so you have more expertise. My first bring. was thirty-five in nineteen thirty-five. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Okay. Well, well, then in that case, thank you very much for taking time well, to join us. I didn't make the cut though, but in, in just the first one, or my first one, yeah. yeah. But you did you did Correct. plenty well in the other. Those are well documented. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, not not unlike uh, our coverage of the NBA Finals, compared to the three of you, I know little or nothing about golf or the U.S. Open or any of these things. So I can add a little bit of insight, and then I'm just going to turn it over to you because I don't really know what I'm talking about. So I watched more golf growing up with my dad and my great-grandfather than, than I even have in recent years. I mean, I know the major names and all that kind of stuff. The only thing I've heard them talk about Oakmont or about this U.S. Open is that the course is incredibly difficult. So it's, it's very much unlike, you know, the Masters or these other tournaments where you expect the, the winner to be sometimes well under par, right? But, that, but that's, that's the extent of my knowledge for the most part. So I'm just going to turn it over to you guys. and um, JC? Yeah, to, to speak to that, the last time the U.S. Open was at Oakmont, the winning score was five over par on Hulk Cabrera. Yeah. You know, that's unheard of on the PGA Tour. Correct. Normally, double digits under par is right. is where the, the winner is, but this week the, the cut line might be double digits over par. That's right. So it's it's really wide open. The whole key is don't 
don't shoot yourself out of it the first day. That's right. what you hear all these guys say. Be patient. Take your lumps. If you hit it in the really thick rough, you just hope you find your ball and don't make double bogey. Yeah, I think McElroy just came out and said that in a press conference that if he wins here, it would be probably his greatest accomplishment because he the other courses he has played and won on were soft, low-scoring, uh, and he does not – no one expects that, obviously, here. Um, you talk about some of the – some of the rounds that were played there in the past, and they've they, there there's been uh, some under under you know par um, scores at Oakmont, but it but it depends on how the greens are going. I think in '94 the greens were a little slower, around 12 um, on the stump meter, and actually the stump meter a little history was created because of um, the person who created the stump meter. Created when he after he went to the U.S. Open at Oakmont in '35, my first year playing, and um, and he um, he went back and created the stunt meter because of that. And another little thing about the stunt meter at Oakmont: there are f- uh, six greens at Oakmont where you can't even use the stunt meter because the greens have too much undulation on them. Because there has to be a flat spot on the green for them to get a reading. So they get an overall reading from actually only um, 12 holes. Okay, so so for the golf dummy like myself, tell me what the step meter is. Step meter. I mean, it sounds like you're it, like it's measuring the speed of the green. Yeah, JC. that's correct. It's a it's basically just a plastic wedge, and it has a funnel at the bottom to ready, and they roll a golf ball down it, and it measures the distance how far that ball rolls out on a flat surface. Got it. I, I I thought I heard a report that they're saying that the greens this year are very very fast. They're supposed to be a fourteen fourteen five, I believe. Which, which would be the there. fastest greens they play all year. Okay, long. so so give us the overall skill so we have a context for that. Normal PGA Tour events are eleven to twelve. Eleven to twelve, and most courses that you would play, you know, just the average golfer is going to play are going to be in the nine to ten right. range in. That, that And that varies wildly based on when they were mowed and rolled and how much rain you've had. The consistency you get on the PGA Tour um, is going to be in that 12 to 13 range, and anything above that is just lightning fast. You'll see guys hit balls on the greens this week, and they'll, they'll drop their head in the fairway just because they know they're above the hole, and they have no chance of making it. So, so how big of an increment is there between... Uh, one, one, well, between increments on the it's a percentage play, right? So, is there a huge difference between nine and ten on the on the scale? Ten percent faster. It's a ten percent. Okay, yeah. so. but it's not a ten percent scale. I mean, it goes way over ten. It goes way over ten, but it's it's incremental. Like, okay. um, what is it? Is it based in is it based in inches? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, I believe so. Okay, so so anyway, it, it measures the speed of the green. Right. This it's is measuring around. Do we say it was a fourteen? Uh, it'll probably be. They were saying that Mike Davis who sets the course up for the U.S. Open, um, he says it'll probably run between a 14 to 14.5. That's fast. That's yeah, really fast. Fast as I've ever heard at Oakmont is maybe a 15 ever, and that was some of the members sometimes play it like late in the summer where the greens get really hard and fast, and sometimes they'll play it close to a 15. But but, but, in, but in tournament conditions, this would be the fastest. I've not heard anything faster than that in my life. No, that's, that's okay. So, so this is going to be some of the fastest, hardest greens in, and, and in a PGA tournament that, this season, though. Either it's it's that along with pin placement, you, where where you hit the golf ball on the green. If you, for example, hole number one, you hit the golf ball on the green on the front of the green, 
it will most likely roll off the green, even with a wedge a lot of the times. The, the, the caddies will tell you, hit it right before the green, and it'll bounce on and stop. So um, it's, it's, it, it's not always, it's the speed, but it's also the undulation in the greens as well. So it's, it's both. And if, like, like JC mentioned, if you leave it above the hole, You've seen if you look if you go on the internet and look at some of the videos of people practice the practice rounds right now going on. If you leave it above the hole, you will never stop it within ten to fifteen feet of the hole. The all the green slope front to back. That's what Greg was saying. If you land it on the on the green, the ball is going to release. That's why you're going to see a lot of guys trying to hit drivers and get good distance off the tee to be able to hit wedges into the. To the greens, if you lay back and are hitting that longer iron, it's going to be harder to stop the ball. Yeah. So, I look for somebody this week like a like a Jason Day, who hits the ball really high, yeah, uh, yeah. to to play well. And you know, another guys with power, but that also have control. Dustin because Johnson, Dustin Johnson, if he uh, can if keep, his game, game. Yes. keep his head game, keep his head game together. Right. I, I don't know that he ever can, but I think he'll be in contention till the right. end. Yeah. Um, my dark horse is Brooks Kopka, who uh, has been in contention. He was in contention at uh, the Nelson and uh, lost in a playoff. And then uh, he was also in contention, was it in Memphis last week? Um, he's a big bomber, and if he's if he's on his game right now, I think he can be somebody what like is this what? One. All right, I, I always think this is a huge misconception in golf. How often is it the guys that are like kind of no names that kind of get hot the couple weeks before actually end up winning a major tournament? That's a good question. I, I don't know that. <coughs> I don't we, think we, it we really ever sure. happens. I we, think that the guys that end up winning major tournaments are either one the big dogs or they're two some guy that just comes out that plays hot that week. Like there's no real rhyme or reason. Well, yeah, to that it. was like Danny Willett at the Masters, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. He he played really well that week. He's not even a PGA Tour member. He is now because he got a five year exemption for winning the Masters. But you know he hasn't played in America since he won the Masters, and now he's back this week at the U.S. Open. Right. Um, so do people put way too much stock in this whole concept of well, he's playing well at nah. these you know lesser tournaments, and then they show up to these other tournaments, and they might play decent, they might get top fifteens, but at the end of the day, as a fan. Nobody really cares about being in the top 15. We want to know who wins, right? You want to guess who wins. So, does that even really put you in contention to win? Or is there really just a handful of, like, four guys that are winning and it's the field? I think it certainly helps. The better you're playing coming up to a tournament, it certainly helps. I don't know that what that percentage is of a winning or so not. So, like, would you take Spieth? Here, here's, here's my question. Spieth, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, or the field? You get those three or the field. Well, I'd take the three favorites. I, I probably would too. I probably would too. I mean, you've got. If you look at the history of this course, typically great players win this course. Typically, or um, no names, right? Because it's like Tiger Woods, Spieth, and then you get like Martin Keimer. No, we're talking, I'm talking about Oakmont. Uh, oh, just at yeah, Oakmont. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, your past winners are Angel Cabrera, who's a major champion. Right. You know, he's a stud in, in majors. Right. Uh, Ernie Els, yeah. one in '94. Uh, Johnny yeah. Miller won in 73. That's when he shot 63 on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Because some people consider the greatest round ever played yeah. in major championship history. Um, you've got uh, Jack, who won his first first uh, professional tournament 
at the 62 Open there. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Snead won it there. Um, Sarazen won it there. Ben so basically Hogan what you're saying there. is that it's about four guys that really have a chance to win this thing. No, no, no. I don't no, think so because those, those guys could come out and one hole could be a disaster. Yeah. You know, you, you, you hit it in the deep stuff, you can't get it out. And all of a sudden, you're you're derailed because you're not going to make a lot of birdies on this course, right. um, which is what McElroy and Spieth do very well. Dustin Johnson does very well. Right. They pile up birdies. Jason Day the same way. There's not going to be a lot of those on this course. I look for somebody that can keep it in the fairway, avoid the big numbers. You know, it's it's all about consistency. And McElroy is not consistent when he's on he's the best but he's got a lot of movement in his in his body relative to some of these other guys and it's like a Mickelson when Mickelson's on he's unbelievable Mickelson's finished second six times in the U.S. Open that's I mean he's plays well in the U.S. Open I think he really wants to win the U.S. Open I think he'll tell you that it's the last thing he really wants to do in golf Um, but I just don't know that he's got the consistency in his game he's another guy that when he gets hot he just piles up birdies, but I don't see that happening on this course. Greg, you you know it better than we do, though. I mean, are there how many birdie opportunities are there out there for these there, guys? There's not a lot. I mean, there there's a couple of holes that are a little shorter where you can hit hit shorter irons in, and you get lucky and get one close and, and have kind of a tap in type situation. But in general, you're you've got to have a unbelievable putting day. Um, you've got to. Putt. I, I actually, one of my rounds, I putted, I had the best putting round of my entire life at this course. And part, most of it was due to the caddy that was helping. He was giving me unbelievable reads. But I was putting the best. I, maybe the, I still remember it to this day, and it was probably 2008, 2009 when I played it. Um, it, it is one of, those, one of those courses where... Um, you know, I think Lee Trevino said, if you two-putt, you're gaining ground on the field, as a joke. Um, but, you know, I mean, Sam, I think it was Sam Snead who also said he put a dime down on hole number two, and when he came back to get his ball mark, his ball mark had moved down, uh, had moved two feet. And it was kind of in a joke, but um, he was, a lot of people say it was serious, too, that his dime actually did move. Um, because they're so slick. So you have to be able to putt really, really well. And you'll get lucky and make one here and, here and there. But you, if you leave yourself below the hole, it's so much easier. But a lot of times you leave yourself below the hole, the hole get a little aggressive on the putt, you hit it past the hole, then you're in deep trouble. So it sounds like it's really not even your putting. It's your approach game has to be the best. Oh, anybody, yes. Right? So it's yes. not even... It is, if you, as long as you're giving yourself at least a 10-foot putt right in... Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, below the hole, like it almost sounds like you'd rather be lay up short and chip one in closer. Oh, some, sometimes, right? Sometimes you you might end up. So having if, if that's the case, if, you're, if it's your approach shot, then I don't know who has the best approach game. It's probably what like Spieth and Brent Snedeker and guys like that that are just really good around the green. Well, you know, Luke Donald's a a precision iron player. Furyk's strong with the irons, but and he's played well. You know, he's won a U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Um, he's coming off an injury, though, and Donald's not in great form. But there are guys that are that are 
known as great ball strikers. John Sendon's a great ball striker, but he's not a very good putter, right. so I don't look for him to be there this week. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's a combination. It's a it is, great it test of it's your all-around game. It's everything. The course isn't terribly long. It's only 7,200 yards, but it's par 70. Um, There's no trees anywhere in the, like, since, since 2007, like, 2007 was the first time they took out all the, they took about out of five to eight thousand trees is what they estimate um, on the course and, and they brought it back to its original design from 1903 it was more of a link style course and that's what it is now so if you spray it you're, just in, the you're th- in the you're fairway you're, you're, well you could be in the other fairway yeah could you be technically uh, in the other fairway you could and still be, have a good you, chance for a you never have a good in. chance no, but like but, a, a relatively good chance well, right compared not, to other majors well there's like so many bunkers there are 220, 221 bunkers yeah. or something like yeah. that. They're, and they're deep and treacherous. I mean, a caddy broke his ankle yesterday uh, falling into a bunker. Was he wearing the Steph Curry's? Or? <laughs> he, yes. he, had on, he did have on running shoes. But um, you've got to be in the fairway. Now, the fairways are relatively generous. I mean, it's, it's not But they killer. slope. They slope. Yeah. And, and so, so you can... Uh, you can end up hitting a ball in the middle, let's say at number 10. The, the ball slopes down, it goes downhill on number 10, and it slopes, I believe, from right to left, if I remember correctly. And so, so if you don't hit it on the right side of the fairway, that's the first thing. You're, you have to aim at the correct side of the fairway, and if you don't hit the right side of the fairway, you're automatically in the rough. Then when you're in the rough, you have no approach to the green because you can't stop it on the so it's it's a combination of everything. If you don't hit the right, um, if you don't hit the right, uh, you know, tee shot in the right place, then you have to hit the right approach shot. Then you have to hit the right putt. It's it's the biggest test of golf. I've actually played Golf Digest rates Kiwa Island as the toughest course in America, and I've played that as well. Um, and it is very difficult course, but it depends on conditions of the wind and, and things like that um, out there. And I didn't consider it near as difficult as I considered Oakmont, just because when I was done playing Oakmont, it was the biggest mental drain I've ever had playing golf in my entire life. Okay, so so let me break in, because that, that was going to be my question, is if, if we're playing one of the toughest courses, certainly execution is incredibly important, but it's got to be also one of the toughest mental challenges they're going to play all season. Absolutely. The, there's zero doubt in my mind it's probably the toughest mental challenge. So I, I mean, it, it's... Be that, and there's no way he wins? He breaks down. Well, you know, I, I mean, Rory broke down at they all uh, break down at, at, the Masters. at Masters before. I mean, when you're young and you're Duffin, you know, the only person who didn't back in the day was maybe like uh, someone who I didn't know if we were going to bring up during this, but Tiger Woods. You know, back in his day when he first started, he really didn't break down that I know of. Um, but everybody has those. Jason Day uh, has had those too. So you're talking about top three players in the world right now have had those learning experiences. And just because Jordan Spieth had it once doesn't mean he's going to continue to do that. He's won before. So, so let's let's talk about Spieth for just a second because he, he's a local guy. So obviously he's, he's one of our favorite golfers. We watch him closely. And he has had some difficulties to start this season. Is he past those? Are those going to hurt his chances in this in this upcoming tournament? Or... Has he learned and adjusted, and you know, is that going to help him? I think the expectations coming into this year for Spieth were, were off the charts. Not necessarily for him, but for the the population at large. Looking at Spieth had t- 
tremendous expectations for him. Player of the year last year, two majors, coming close in the other two majors as well, and winning, what, seven times around the world last year and the FedEx Cup. And then he wins the first tournament of the year, calendar year, the Tour Tournament of Champions this year. You're thinking, oh, it's going to be this all over again. And he's got the Masters and the back nine was supposed to be a swan song and it complete collapse. He's rallied from there to to play relatively well at the Nelson. He won at Colonial. Mm-hmm. And his but that's last not start. fair because he lives here. So, like, those are his home courses. I don't Well, he I puts more pressure on himself to win those tournaments. But than di- I feel else. like that's discounted because you don't have to go through the stress of traveling. You don't have to go through this. I mean, you play oh, those I, courses all the time. I you think, know them like the back of your hand. I don't feel like that's a fair comp. They, they know all these courses like the back of their hand. They play the same courses every year. But you've got um, more friends, family, exactly. and everything There's, watching. I think these guys will tell you they put more I, I, pressure on talking themselves about hosting. Pressure thing, I don't think Spieth wakes up in the morning, and I, he obviously cares about winning, but I don't think he looks at going to the Nelson like, oh my gosh, I have to win this. He's beyond that point, right? It's like Tiger. No, he wants to win a major. All they care about are majors, right? Yeah. At this point, all they're ever going to be majors. But uh, major, he plays in regular major. tournaments, too. And yeah, I would say, you have to. I would say the two at but, home have the most pressure for a regular tournament than than any other t- regular tournaments on, on tour for him. I, mean, I, which, I would dis- I completely disagree, and I think those are probably the easiest ones that he has because well, he gets to what, hang out with friends, family. He goes and plays golf. Like it's oh, I'm I'm just gonna I gotta go play this round. Well, I'll give you an example at the Wells Fargo in Charlotte. He's played at Quail Hollow, which mm-hmm. is going to host the PGA in two more years, mm-hmm. or maybe next year, hosting the PGA. And it's a very tough track. And Webb Simpson is a local. He lives there. He's a member there. He is. He wants to win at Quail Hollow so badly. But he's and not he, on that level. Yeah, he's, he's not on that level. He's a ma- champion. But he's never, he's not, there's a different level between McElroy, Day, Spieth, Tiger. I mean, you start talking about these people in that category, it's not, you're not talking about wins as a local place. Oh my gosh, Webb Simpson, he's the local guy, I hope he wins this. No, it's... Well, he missed the cut, was my point. The world watches these people to win majors. If you're, if you're someone like Spieth, every tournament that you're not playing in that's a major to me, is a relaxed tournament because nobody really cares at the end of the day. So what are nobody, your expectations My, my, for my expectations for Spieth is every time he goes out at a major, he is playing to win. And every other tournament that you're playing is tune up because we got to get ready for the U.S. Open, we got to get ready for the Masters, we got to get ready for the British Open, we got to get ready for the PGA. I think that's what these guys think about at this point. It's not about money anymore because the guy just signed a $100 million Under Armour contract. Right, so monetarily, you're not playing really. So all you're playing for is your legacy, your name, which doesn't nobody cares or looks at how many actual tournaments you want. It's majors. It's how we measure I, Jack I, I, to Tiger to everybody low, and then you might go to tournaments. I, but I, it's I agree first. with that to an extent, but I don't think any any guy who's that good goes into a tournament going. I don't care if I win or lose. No, they want to win. win. I'm not saying they want to win, but I think the amount of pressure they put on themselves to win and all I'm saying is a lot is less. A local tournament for them, with all the friends and family and everything watching, I would say compared to other local tournaments, not compared to majors. Majors have the most pressure on these guys. There's no doubt. Yeah. But if you compare a local tournament with all these people there waiting and watching, and he's wanting to play well for them. I would say that has the most pressure on him as a as a local tournament, but it doesn't compare to a major anyway. 
I, I, I just, I kind of just, we can agree to disagree on that because I just think for these guys, once they get to at that point, what if I disagree to disagree with you. No, then we can keep going, and then I'm going to disagree go all with day. both of you. I could go well, all day. Well. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> all right, let me let me break in here and switch gears just slightly. All right. The U.S. Open is on Fox this year. Yes. They, they started is it Joe Buck. Is it Joe Buck? And, Joe and, Buck. Hang on, an immediate immediate reaction from JC. So last year they aired golf for the first time as a network. Yes. They got a ton of criticism. Rightfully you, so. Cl- clearly, clearly you weren't happy with, <laughs> with how they executed. You, you know, they need to find some uh, cameramen that can find the golf ball. So so let's so so let's let's talk about Fox taking another shot at, at broadcasting. Now now they've done several tournaments since then. Right. You know, maybe I'm thinking maybe what they should do is what they did in hockey. Put the little glow thing on the golf ball. Well, they tried that, I think. <laughs> Did they? Yeah, I mean, they've got the, they had the tracer on every shot. They had uh, no, they, they had the tracer, undulation. Yeah. They had the wind graphics. They, I mean, they had it all. At the end of the day, they had crap. Right. I mean, they Greg Norman was terrible. They got rid of him. I think they brought in Azinger now. Uh, I like Azinger. He's, he's got. Yeah. I think that's yeah. okay. So, like so, Buck, but. so, so each time Fox has gotten involved in a sport for the first time, whether it be football or NASCAR or now golf or whatever. One of the things they've tried to do is pioneer some things, try some new things that haven't yes, been done before in right. terms of how how to how to broadcast the sport. It was great for baseball. Okay, it's it's been great. And I think they're going to do better at golf this year. Last year at Chambers Bay had its own set of challenges. You, you couldn't get close to the action. The um, the terrain was awful, and so their camera positions were terrible. And they had they were new at it, right? And they had a hard time transitioning between shots. They had a hard time finding shots. They had a hard time, you know, just getting their analysis onto the air. Oakmont is going to be better all the way around, and I think they've got some cool things. I saw their little tractor uh, robot that's going to run through, and so they ought to be able to get some cool shots with that. You're going to see some different stuff, but at the end of the day, when you turn on a golf tournament on a Sunday afternoon, you want to see golf. You want to, and NBC does it, and CBS does it, ESPN does a good job, the Golf Channel, they're pros at this. Fox has a 10-year contract for the U.S. Open. They're going to have to get it right, but it's got to be—it's got to be better than last year. Or I, I may not watch. I may just follow it on my phone. So, so do, you, do you think it w- <laughs> that's a lie? No, do you I, 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 I 100% think that you will at some point, even no matter well, what, we'll get to find tired out if, of that and then just say whatever. I'll have to watch to on. find out if it's better or not. But if it's Anything like last year. So it, so okay, a couple a couple things. So golf has been on TV for decades, and you just listed all the networks that have, have aired it before and done a very competent, if not a great job. So Fox had plenty plenty of information on how to do a tournament right. How do how do they still get it so wrong? And and are you are you optimistic that they're going to get it right? It's not going to be so distracting or terrible that it's going to keep you from even turning on the television to watch a major. Uh, Especially as someone as as huge of a golf fan as you are, right? He just he just said that he's not even going to turn on the television <laughs> if uh, it's not better. He said if it's, if not, it's better. not better. And, and, what, and what a subjective comment! Yeah, yeah. What but, metrics is he going to use? Uh, my own the personal. Stem, it's his own stem my, my own personal stint meter. Yeah. Uh, I, so I'm seriously. How many times can can you have the camera and go? Oh, here, here, wait, wait, uh, and the camera's jump, jumping up and down and going around, and you can't find the golf ball it's like that was no point there's no point they have they have shot tracker technology on on your phone that they have the tracers they can find the golf ball and ping it right to your phone and you know right where it is but if the camera can't find it and there is an art to that some of those guys that work for cbs have been doing it for 30 years well they can't they're not just going to hire those guys away 
You can't just pay them a little bit more and say, come over to Fox for one tournament a right, year. One That's really the problem. Is Fox broadcasts just this tournament, and then they their contracts with the USGA. So they do the Women's US Open. They do um, the uh, amateur, the US Amateur. Right, so, so since last year's US Open. But those are they've... small-time deals where and you're only tracking a few players. In, in the US Amateur, by the time they put it on TV, it's down to the semifinal matches and the final match, which is match play, and you're just following one group with a shoulder-mounted but, but I camera. Think, I think we'd all be a lot more nervous if they hadn't broadcast another tournament since last year's US Open. I mean, they've at least broadcast golf since then. Yeah, you yes. think they're going to learn some from their mistakes. So I, I would think... They got such a strong negative reaction, I would certainly think and expect they're going to be much, much better. I would think so. Now, they got to weed through the criticism and decide what they're going to respond to and change as a result of it and what to ignore and say, no, we're just going to try to get better at a decision even, we've already made. But Joe Buck will even tell you that they were terrible last year. Yeah. He, he knows. Well, he, he's both apologetic and very defensive about it. I've heard interviews with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's his, it's his he on the drive. Is he on the Jim Nance and Bob Costas level of sports broadcasting where he just maybe in his own sport network and then he just yeah. picks and chooses which ones he wants to do yeah. well, <laughs> and goes yes. from there I think I think he's he's up there he's certainly very talented and but even his children told him the first time he was he was calling golf they said dad you sound like you're calling a football game and he's like I do I wish oh, they man, I would gotta, love, I would love to have Troy Aikman and Joe Buck up there to to call this I'd like to have right. them call soccer right. I'd like to have them uh, do figure skating in the Olympics, but talk exactly like it's football the whole time. And what would that sound like? I think like? it would be very funny um, because I think the two of them are very good for football, but uh, they just like have it's one tone. They just go at like the same pace every time you hear them. There's like there's no quiet. There's no well. And, and you know what's what's funny yeah. about I, I don't I don't know if you could say this for Trikman because I don't know, but I've listened to enough interviews with Joe Buck that he's a, he actually could be a very edgy, dark, funny guy. He's he's almost he's almost like like Bob Saget. You know, you saw him on Full House, and he was he was that guy. But really, he's one of the filthiest, darkest comedians out out in the landscape. And I'm not saying Joe Buck is that way, but but he certainly can go blue and, and very edgy and and categorical. And, and he's a funny, witty guy. And there's not necessarily a place for that in golf. No, I mean, as as the lead announcer. Well, I mean, he can't do it on football fa- either. Fa- well, Faraday Faraday does it. Johnny Miller does it. Right. Um, but they they pick and choose their spots, and they also have street cred as right. former golfers. For sure. Well, perhaps, I mean, perhaps David Faraday is is maybe the best at finding the balance and walking the line. Right. Of course, he has a new job on a different network now. Uh, okay, we, uh, we're almost running out of time. I know you guys came really well prepared for the discussion. Is there anything we've left out before we conclude? I mean, maybe just predictions. Okay. Is there anything else we want to cover before we get to predictions? Um, no. I, I mean, I don't think so. I think just I think one of the coolest things about the place in general is just walking back in time when you go there. They still have um, little little... When you walk in, you see the benches, and they still have the spike marks in the benches, and they didn't—they haven't changed those. The lockers, the old wooden lockers that have been there forever. They kind of smell like that old. Yeah, smell. it does. It does. You know yeah. what I mean? Like old yeah. books. And, yeah. And yeah. Like, exactly. Right. It's kind of like, musty, like your grandfather. But it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. like I don't like it, yeah. but but I can't but really get away. Yeah. Like exactly. they have yeah. an old phone booth in there, like you know. So there's like, so there's significant historical. There it's there's historical significance to this location. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, and it's it's just. They haven't changed a lot of it 
it's immaculate condition, obviously, but they haven't changed anything. So it's the same as it's always been. It's just really cool because of that. Because people don't wear spikes anymore. They wear spikeless shoes. But those spike marks are still, all, their benches are spikes all over them. Spike marks in them because people would put their feet up on there and tie their golf shoes and they just stayed there for, for And then, history. of course, there's the other thing that Mark, Mark Oakmont, the Pimento Cheese Sandwiches, the exclusive membership, Correct. the tall pine trees, yes. the, the change in elevation, right, right. all these things right. that we come to love about Oakmont. Yes, yes, exactly right. Yes. Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting I was going to mention, too, is No one's going to call me out on that. No, I'm just going to go with We're going to let, mm-hmm. let that one roll. <laughs> just just going to leave that one out there. All right. The other interesting thing is they uh, their logo is a little squirrel. And the funny thing about the squirrel is there is no longer any squirrels on the golf course because they have a hawk's nest above the putting. They have a practice green and and, hold, and the green at number nine. Actually, they combine the two. So number nine green and number nine and the practice green are all combined. So it's one huge, enormous green. So actually, if you blade it over the nine green, you could be putting from the putt practice screen. Do they make other players move their balls? Or do you just Yeah, like, you'd have to. Does it you'd turn into putt-putt and you're like, that, ah, you gotta get through this. I've never seen that before, obviously, <laughs> but yes, you would have to do that. You said there's uh, a hawk's nest? There's a hawk's nest above there and they have eaten all the squirrels in the area. So, so perhaps no more squirrels. So to get perhaps their they, logo. Should, they should change the logo to a squirrel that, being murdered by a hawk. Right, yes, exactly. That'd be but that's one of their things. They don't change anything. So That's one of the nuances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A bloody squirrel will change. Change it to a bloody squirrel. <laughs> just go from the normal, just make it more bloody. Just Correct. don't change the logo yeah. otherwise. Yeah. I think that's a tremendous idea. Yeah, you should email so. that to someone. Oh, that, I just maybe yeah. reach out to someone at Oakland. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> I think that's um, the best idea we've come up with so far today. Then just a couple other things is the... The Church Pew Bunkers, which I think we talked about a little bit, they have the between three and four of the Church Pew Bunkers. If you don't know anything about them, they're, it's an extremely long bunker with little, I would say, when you look at them from far, little lines of grass between them. Well, it's mounds of grass, huge, and, and basically if you hit it in there, you have to hit out sideways. So um, they come into play on both three and four. Um, and then they have the... Um, on three is actually they call it the um, it's a re- it's a reverse bowl. So you hit it on the top of the green, and you're hitting downhill anywhere you go. So you have to hit it to the right location. I think Tiger in the 2007 Open triple bogeyed that hole because of the green. Well, there were um, there were a handful of, handful of comments by some of the better golfers that are coming to the tournament. One described it as treacherous. Uh, several others said, just flat out said, "I don't like Oakmont. I'm not. You don't have. You don't enjoy the tournament. So, I mean, you do if you win. Well, they'll say it's the hardest course they play all year. But they've literally a handful of them going into this year's tournament have said, "I don't even like Oakmont. Almost like they're not even looking forward to it. But it's a major, and it's historical. And obviously, they're, they're not going to. Most I have heard have said it's it's a great test and. and they, they they don't think it's unfair. I think Mickelson was one that said he doesn't even like it. Really? Well, they, oh, these yeah, guys have a lot of pride in what they do, and they don't like to be embarrassed. Yeah. Tiger Woods doesn't, doesn't like to make tri- triple bogeys. Right. Thus, he's not playing right, right now. Right. Um, yeah, well, that's pretty. Actually, I, I got that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't suck, don't tug on Superman's cave too hard. Also, <laughs> come back and run off about six more, and then um, leave for good. But, but these guys don't like to be embarrassed. 
and they, they take a lot of pride in what they do. So I, I could see some of them hedging their bet ahead of time saying, I don't really like it. It's tough. But it's a U.S. Open, and it's U.S. Open tradition, right, to, to have it. To make it a tough tournament, the USGA tries every year to do to do something unique that you don't see on the tour the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean it's it's the one tournament where the winner's probably going to be around or, or very likely even slightly over par. I mean, the, yeah, right, you correct. don't see that the rest of the correct. season with right. you regularity. Tip, typically, that's the case. That's exactly and like like JC mentioned last time it was played there, it was significantly yeah. over par. The winner was plus five. Yeah. So, um, and of course, instead of the golfer saying, man, that was a tremendous challenge, they you know, cried and whined about it, So the course conditions, this right, or that. Right. right. And, and, and you just hear when you, there's all sorts of stories about Oakmont. You know, whoever you talk to, there's story after story of somebody who did something on whatever hole. And, and you know, for example, when, they, when Johnny Miller shot that, uh, the 63, what they did was they changed the course setup the next year, and they called it the Massacre at Wingfoot, and the winning score was seven over because of how difficult they made it. Because they made it too easy, they say they made it too easy on on the guy, but still, the, the winning score was five over that year that that Johnny Miller won. He was, I think, twelve and 12th place or something like that the final day when he shot that score. So it's not like it was an easy course by any means. So right. you've, you've played there four times, so let me ask you this question. If you're a member there, just a recreational golfer, right. and, you, and, you're, and you're pretty good on your home course, you've got to be one of the better recreational golfers in the world. Oh, the there's country, no doubt. Right? Right? The guy, the member that I played with was like a two there. And That's incredible. He could, have, he could have gone out and played any course and shot under par, basically. Whenever he as, a, as a rec golfer? Yes. So that, yes. Okay, so Correct. what I'm saying is probably and, true. And... They say there, you know, there's stories um, that they've actually slowed down the greens. And if you look it up, I think it was ninety. What was it ninety five when they held ninety four? Ninety four when they held the open there. They played the played the greens at a, at a twelve, but the members that year played it at a thirteen to thirteen and a half. So they actually slowed down the greens for the open. So the members play it extremely difficult conditions. So, so they have the rough up. They have the greens fast, and they play it. They play it tough all year round. So, amongst the recreational golf community in the United States, there's got to be a little bit of member pride if you're a member at Oakmont, regarding that specifically. No there's no doubt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it's it's from what I understand too. It's not like being a member at some of the other real high end courses out there, like a Seminole or Augusta National or some of those where you have to basically be invited to be a member there. Um, it's From what I understand, it's a little easier to be a member at Oakmont. Oh, and, and I'm not talking about exclusivity. I'm no. just talking about, hey, I'm a member at Oakmont. I play well at Oakmont, therefore yeah, 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 yeah. I've right, got to be right. at the top of the heap of the rec golf community. Right. Interesting. Okay. But basically, you, Mr. Guest Host, could, from what I understand, could be a member at Oakmont if you lived out there, possibly. I think I will. I think I'll move out there and join Oakmont. I think you should. And play the first round of golf I've ever played in my entire life. Ever? You've never I've played? I've never a played a complete round of golf. All right. JC and I are going to take you out to play. Not at Oakmont. No. But, no. Because oh, I thought maybe you just <laughs> offered me no. a trip out to Oakmont. No, I did not. Okay. Somewhere, somewhere easier. Right. Right. Stevens. <clears throat> All right. Well, then we're going to wrap up with some predictions. I'd like for each of you guys to say who you think is going to win the tournament. Just give me one name. And what you think the the winning score is going to be, Scott? I think Rory McIlroy will win, even though I didn't bet on him. Who uh, did you bet on, Scott? 
It's great. Uh, Jason Duffner at 100 to 1. Okay. Got Ricky Fowler at 20 to 1. And I've got Adam Scott at 25 to 1. Scott Scott's our resident degenerate gambler. So he's I'm gonna, really not degenerate. So he's he's going like, to bring the gambling perspective. I always try to, like, if I go out to Vegas, I try to bet on a golf tournament, and I usually take one guy I think that's, like, a quasi-favorite, one guy that's, like, a mid-tier guy, and then one guy that's just, like, a real long shot. Um, and I won it once. every major? Like, if I go out to Vegas... Like and there's a major that I can kind of bet on that's like in that time frame. So, so what? So, so what I did it once, and I won when Ricky, when uh, Rory McIlroy won the U.S. Open. I bet on him. The one and congressional, congressional yeah. yeah, that was great. So okay, I've done so it ever since then. So, so what other things do you do you bet on? Um, I like to bet on uh, like big like sporting events, so like. Just whatever. Just give Super us Super Bowl. Give us a list your th- of things you're willing to wage on. What about your cockroach pool? Race, races? It's your Deadpool. I can't tell you who I, okay. who I bet on that, but yeah. it, that's still wasn't it's one still of there. us in that. Uh, it's nobody in this immediate room. Okay, all right, gotcha. Um, and then I like to also bet on very petty things, like if you and I were going to go shoot free throws, who could make ten free throws? And when we say bet, actual money, yeah, exchange like twenty bucks, twenty bucks on free throws, yeah. Eh, let's not forget ping pong. Let's not forget about confident. Uh, I'm confident in my abilities in those things, so it feels like it's not like so. so it's, it's not really, it's not really gambling. Betting. It's not really gambling. You're not it's betting more. on something you have no no. You can't control, control the outcome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. okay, so let me just take inventory. So we've got ping pong. We've got free throws. We've got blackjack. We've Deadpool. Got, we've got Deadpool. We've got golf. I think I'm good on the Deadpool. We though. have a whole other variety of sports. Are we leaving anything out? Turtle racing. Tur- okay, turtles. Any, oh. Anything else? Huh. Cockfighting, dog races, no, rabbits. No, that's illegal. Any, anything? Illegal. I think you bet on the weather, didn't you? I think you lost that bet. <laughs> well, I did bet on the weather. Snow or, what, I was gonna whether say. it was snow this winter. <laughs> okay, see, so you bet on weather. Okay, anything I'm else? I just want to not have any control. I just want to flush all this out. Yeah, no, no, but that was a good bet. That was a good bet. But I you lost. <laughs> All right, like historically, historically, I, I should have won that. I should have won that. It was an anomaly. I'll come back again next year on the double or nothing. We'll win it back. Is that uh, anything like the steak bet? Wait, wait, wait. Did you say you're going to double or nothing on the weather yeah, to get your year. money back? Next okay, year. all right. Well, we all got, right. Well, we got it's kind of like the steak bet. A little that? bit like the steak bet. <laughs> okay, okay. Have we got all of it? What's, is there anything left on the on the inventory? Are you looking in your bag? Let's see if it's, let's see if your gambling bag is empty. Uh, no, I'm sure there's some other stuff in there. So, so, so there's that's a resident gambler too. So when hit their show on ba- on the basketball basketball playoffs um you got two big gamblers in here all right so i, I just want to be clear that you, i mean but you don't have a problem there's no problem there's no problem no, no problem because no. i'm not like hemorrhaging money out in any of this stuff yeah all right fa- fair fair enough i just i just want right, to so you're taking 20 bucks on the weather for like six months and then snow yeah there's no, there's, that doesn't indicate a problem at all okay all right so you you've picked who is your winner for the u.s open and what what's he going to shoot Roy McElroy, and he will shoot two under. Two under. Two under win. I like that. That's risky. JC, I'm coming two to you. Under. I'll take Jason Day at even par. Really went out a win there. Very good. He didn't ask me who I want to win. <laughs> who do you want to win? That's a different question. I want Jason Duffner oh. to win. We can go, we can go back. We can go back around oh, to that if you oh. want. 
Who do I think is going to win? Who's going to win and who's the finals? <laughs> I would normally say Jason Day as well, but I'm not going to because he said it. And I would, I think the person who has the most talent to win it is Johnson, Dustin Johnson, but he will not win it. Um, he will not. What win if it. he went back? To, he will not win it. What if he went back to doing drugs and just kind of hanging out with Paulina Gretzky just on the weekends, just on the beach? Not. Well, then like, he'd be the he favorite. Maybe before the yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. If he went back, do you think he has a better chance? Then he'd be the favorite. Kind of like Tiger Woods. Like if he just kind of goes yeah. back to his Chili's days, like right. he probably will do Waffle better. Hut. Yeah. yeah, like it's a better situation for him, There's and he'll play better. better. Then no it's doubt. then it's Dustin Johnson five under. Yeah, yeah, five. He might be. Yeah, he might be under under that. The only way better. Dustin Johnson ever wins the U.S. Open is if he wins it by ten shots. Yes, because if it's ever close, if it's nine not, shots, no he'll lose all of those on eighteen. <laughs> okay, so so who's so who's your winner? What's the score? Uh, I think I'm going because I don't want to pick one of those favorites. Matsuyama, I, I think he played really well uh, earlier in the year, and he played uh, at at um, Augusta, and I think he plays well on fast greens, and I think he could play well. I don't know if he'll win it, but I think he should play pretty high. So you're predicting Matsuyama at a score of plus one. Plus one. You've got you had Jason. No, you had Jason Day. Mm-hmm. You, you had, had Rory at minus two. Rory minus two, and you had Jason Day at even even par. Okay, so real quickly, lightning round before we wrap up. Who do you want to win? Who do you want to see win this tournament? I feel like I kind of answered that one already. I'm gonna say I'm gonna you say Duffner. Duffner. Yeah, I'd like Duffner to win to be it'd be With pretty nice for me. I want Mickelson. I want but that's because you have money on Duffner. Okay? Yeah. All right. All right. If I don't, then Brent Snedeker because he's from Nashville. But like, <laughs> but I otherwise, can't, I can't win any money off of Brent Snedeker. Yeah, so I'm not I usually do bet on Brent, I, I, and I never win. But you definitely don't have a problem. But you know. Okay, so. So you're so you're rooting you're rooting for, I'll take I'll take Mickelson for uh, to complete the career Grand Slam and finally get the monkey off his back with the you're, you're rooting for you want him to win yes, interesting, Greg who would you, who who do you want to see win the tournament? I was going to say Miguel Angel Jimenez just because he's smoking cigars yeah but yeah um, he's one of the legendary bachelors like Jeter was there's so someone. I don't want to see Sergio Garcia win it. I know that. Um, I would say you pick Mickelson. I'm kind of a Mickelson guy because I'm a lefty myself. But I will probably say I'd like to see Spieth win it. What a homer. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, then then I'll I'll, I'll weigh in on on this last question. The only reason reason why I want to see Brent Sitter not win it is because hopefully he'll go to the last and start crying again like he did. Like he did the, yeah. the Masters. Yeah. Alright, then, then I'll weigh in on this last question. I would like either Corey Pavin or Davis Love III to win. <laughs> that's, that's, who, that's who I'll be. Or Chichi Rodriguez. Yeah, or Chichi Rodriguez. <laughs> those are the three guys I want to watch out for. Not only that, but I think one of those three players... Possibly Trevino. One, maybe, so one of those four are my favorites to win the tournament. I, I think one of them is actually playing. Davis Love. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he's, see? He's, see? He's the only one. You got a chance. So I've got, got a chance. chance. He's I'm telling me there's I'm, a chance. Wait, but you didn't say who you predict to win. I'm, I'm predict- I'll, I'll, take, uh, I'll take John Daly. I'll take John Daly three under. John Daly. Yeah. yeah there's a senior, there's look, a senior event this week. I don't, I don't need to. Then. I don't need to. I think, I think he's going he's to come in from his RV out in the parking lot from selling his own memorabilia. Blasting heaters. And he's, and he's somehow, he's somehow going to get him. 
make it to the tournament at the last minute by tomorrow morning, and he's going to wreck this thing. So no one thinks Danny Willett is going to win this, right? No, because he's a scrub that got lucky. All right, all right. Now, 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 now this is just getting now this is just getting ridiculous. Uh, all right, this is this is the Gravity Beard Podcast. This is our uh, 2016 U.S. Stay Open tuned preview for the. The mystery guest host mentioned another podcast we might be doing in the near future. Stay tuned for that one. Yeah, stay tuned for, sure. for that one for it's sure. It's going to be way better particulates. than this one. Yeah, it, 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 it involves particulates <coughs> and, and, and your health, and right. those are things that we are definitely experts on. You're going to want to hear our opinions and thoughts and facts on those I did things. intern for WebMD, so, you know, we've got that going. Did you really? Yeah, that's on my resume. Okay. Okay, so, so, so clearly we've got, we've got a panel of experts that will come back to you in the very near future regarding that issue one that you're facing, that everyone faces every single day. So please plan to join us. Uh, again, you can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, and other places where you hear podcasts. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is our U.S. Open preview show. Uh, are we planning on doing a post-tournament show? We couldn't do this without you, fans. Thank you. Yeah. Are we, are we going to do a, post, a post-tournament show? Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Any if, of our predictions J- came true. Let's see if yes. JC actually watches it. Let, let, yeah, you're right, yeah, exactly right. All right, well, might th- turn, might turn it off because of Fox. We very much appreciate the support. Please go out to iTunes, give us a review and a rating, and um, and we'll see you next time. Give us a five star rating, not just a rating. Yeah, yeah. Only say good things. Right. right. Please only only good things because yeah. if you say a bunch of bad things, no one's going to listen. No, Even no, fewer no, than are already no. listening, which is a very low no, number. Let's get a little more specific about that. Please. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks everybody for tuning. We'll see you next time. Gravity Bird Podcast. <laughs>